Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 504. I'm going to call this uh, an NFL week one bonus episode. You may or may not know, I've done five episodes in the last six days of this podcast. I have been getting after it. All well, by the way, working a second job. So I'm very proud of myself. Doing well. Hope you're doing well. I'm getting real tired of people leaving comments. Um, I don't know why I care, but I do. Like, worried about me, worried for my well-being. I'm doing great, guys. I'm killing it. I hung out with my friends last night. I'm back home. I'm near my family. Life's good. I miss Hawaii a little bit, but it's so much more worth it to be back near my family. I had game night with my friends last night. Went to bed at 2 a.m. It is now, what time is it? It's up for like four hours. It's now 6.40 a.m. And and believe it or not, like I'm really enjoying my life. I'm happy. I'm getting after it. Let's talk about, oh, well, we got a lot to talk about today. We're going to talk about Daniel Jones a little bit, Ryan Tannehill, the Patriots, ask a couple questions here and there. Uh, the things I'm really excited about in today's episode, I'm going to tell you about Tua Tungavaloa, a uh, quarterback I'm still very skeptical of. I'm going to break down a little bit of why Kyler Murray is just not delivering at a high enough level for the Arizona Cardinals. We'll talk about, um, I will mention Joe Burrow. I've got some questions there. Let's just jump in though. Week one, the Miami Dolphins beat the New England Patriots 20 to seven. It was an awesome win. You love to see it. I love to see it. It was really cool to see. I said see too many times in that sentence. Uh, I'm rooting hard for Miami though. I really am. I, I love the new head coach, Mike McDaniel. I love their quarterback too, Atanga Valoa. I'm rooting for him. I really like him as a person. Now, I walked away from Sunday's game, however, still skeptical of their quarterback, Tua Tungavaloa. I want to see Tua do well. I want to love him. I want to be like all in and really believe in him as a quarterback. I'm not going to lie, and this is a little bit unfair to him. It's not about him. But we, you know, on Thursday Night Football, we watched Justin Herbert go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes and... Week one, Mahomes, uh, sorry, week one, Justin Herbert uh, beat the Raiders with his team, the Chargers. Watching Tua always makes me cringe just a little bit because there's a voice in the back of my head that just cannot get past the thought like, man, Miami could have had Justin Herbert, a guy who's a better athlete, a guy who has a much better arm. I mean, it's, I watch Herbert throw the football and I'm like, the, he, Justin Herbert throws a football like he's a video game character. The way it comes out of his hand on a line, it's unbelievable. Now that aside, again, that's not fair to Tua. It just is there, though. Always hanging whenever I watch him throw the football. I'm like, man, that's just that's a, such a weak arm. I'm mean, just like, I, it's, I hate to say that, but it's true. Now that aside, week one against New England, Tua was 23 for 33 passing with 270 yards. One touchdown pass, and here's the key, zero turnovers. I love to see that. I said going into the year, no matter what happens, Tua cannot be an obstacle or a problem Miami has to overcome. He can be either, hopefully, a positive thing for his team, but Tua could even be a neutral factor for his football team. Like, just totally fine. He cannot be a negative factor for his football team. This game was a positive game, though. I thought he did very well. He was not just neutral, he was positive. My favorite play in the game, 
was on a fourth and seven with 24 seconds left before halftime. Ball's on the 42-yard line. He throws a slant to Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle makes a man miss and takes it for a 42-yard touchdown. It was awesome. Fourth and seven, bam, touchdown right before halftime. And the fans of Miami were all waddling and doing their little like little side-to-side waddle dance. I love it. I think that's awesome. I- I'm very excited about this team in Miami. I like watching them play a lot. It's really fun. And Miami led 17 to nothing at halftime. However, they only scored three points in the second half. That does concern me a little bit. Uh, but their receiving core was awesome. Tyree Kill, the new receiver, eight catches for 94 yards on 12 targets. Uh, Jalen Waddell, five targets, four catches, 69 yards, and a touchdown. Oh, and by the way, Miami is more than just an exciting offense. They have a defense that's got a lot of playmakers on the perimeter, especially in their secondary. Um, you know, the, their defense held New England to only seven points, and I thought in many ways shut down uh, New England's offense. Here's a concern moving forward, though, when it comes to Miami. Hey, I wasn't that impressed with their running game. And Tua was fine. Tua was very fine. He was not amazing. Didn't blow me out of the water. He had an interception that was dropped in the fourth quarter. And now, honestly, I believe Miami has a pretty manageable schedule. I look at their schedule and I go, yeah, Miami's going to win a lot of games this year. I feel good about that. But here's where I worry. This is what, like I said, there's a concern moving forward. What is going to happen when Miami plays a really capable offense that is going to score points? They've got a good defense. They're going to be good against a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of mediocre teams. Miami's going to do very well. What happens when they play Joe Burrow in Cincinnati? They've got three great receivers in Cincinnati. Try slowing them down. Minnesota has Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Week four, Cincinnati, that game concerns me. Week six, Minnesota, that game concerns me. Week three and 13, they play Buffalo. You're not going to stop Josh Allen and Buffalo. You're only going to slow him down. It's the kind of game that is going to require your quarterback to score a lot of points to keep up with a high-powered offense. Can Tua do that? I don't know. They're going to beat up on mediocre to bad football teams. Can Miami beat a really good football team? That's a question I, I, I still don't know the answer to. It's going to be a while before we know that, I think. Can Tua score enough points to go head-to-head with Joe Burrow, Josh Allen? Week 14, Justin Herbert. What's going to happen there? I'm skeptical of that. I'm skeptical that when you got Justin Jefferson running around and making a bunch of plays and Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, can Tua make enough plays and score enough points to keep up with a really high-powered offense on the other side of the field? Miami is not horrible. They also, by the way, had a good 10-play drive to close out the game and burn the final four minutes and 55 seconds of that game against New England. That's awesome. But Tua is not very mobile. It's very frustrating for me watching him play without the ability to extend plays. I watch guys like Daniel Jones, Ryan Tannehill, and I'm like, dude, they can run. He's got a limited arm. Um, And I look around the NFL and and I think, you know, this guy is just a bottom tier NFL starter. He's fine. He's not a bad quarterback. But as far as ability and talent, now talent and ability can only take you so far. If Tua has great habits and is a good decision maker and is accurate, 
that he could succeed and, and be great. You know, Drew Brees is not the most talented quarterback we've ever seen. He was very accurate. He was physically a little bit limited, never had a big arm. Like, you can succeed as a quarterback without an incredible physical skill set. But I got to be honest, I wonder, watching Daniel Jones, I, I think, hey, DJ would be pretty good running this offense, throwing to Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. Or <laughs> the former Miami quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, you brought him in, he'd do great running Miami's offense. Or the other Hawaii quarterback, Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota would be outstanding throwing to Tyreek Hill and running around and running Mike McDaniel's offense. I really believe that. Frankly, I, I, I wish this wasn't true, but it is. There are a lot of quarterbacks, and a ton of them I would rather have than Tua. Bryce Young or Tua? Bryce Young next year or Tua? I'd rather have Bryce Young. I, I don't like saying that. I love Tua as a person. I lived in Hawaii. I, I love his family. I love everything about him. Week one was a cute win. Oh, great. You beat New England. Nice. But my arms are crossed. I'm sitting here like, okay, you're, you're good. You're fun. You're exciting. But I'm not convinced that Tua can produce enough points to keep up with Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Minnesota, Cincinnati. Those are the games moving forward that I worry about the most. Time will tell. I am rooting for Tua. I'm rooting for Miami. I want Tua to be the franchise quarterback they've been waiting for since Dan Marino. <laughs> like I so badly want Tua to be the man. But I, you know, like I said, how, what's the potential of this offense? Can they beat a team like the Bills, like, you know, a high-powered offense like Cincinnati or Minnesota? Justin Herbert. I don't know. What's the limit of this football team in this offense? We'll find out. Time will tell. I'm really interested about Tua. Um, but, I, you know, that being said, I think Miami's going to win a lot of games this year and do very well against mediocre and bad teams. I just wonder, what's the ceiling for Tua? Is he ever going to be able to beat top-tier NFL teams and score enough points to do that? I, I really don't know. Time will tell, but I'm rooting for him. By the way, watching the Patriots lose week one, I got to wonder, are the Patriots in trouble? I think it's a, a question worth asking. They only put up seven points. Their defense did not appear to have a grand plan to slow down Miami's offense. I was very curious. You know, Bill Belichick, what is he going to do to try to slow down Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill? And I, I still don't have an answer to that. Now, um... It's tough because there is not a lot of film on Miami's offense. I mean, it's week one. It's the first ever game, really, running Mike McDaniel's offense and, you know, playing at full strength with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. So, very possible when they play, you know, New England again later this year, New England's going to do much better because they'll have film and be able to differently prepare for the game. But Mac Jones had two turnovers, you know, I thought his interception should have been called back. That was defensive pass interference that was missed in the end zone. But week one was not great for New England. I have, I have no idea what to expect from the Patriots this year. I, I really don't. I'm just very curious about them. What's their year going to look like? How good are the Patriots? Are they in trouble? If you're a Patriots fan, I would imagine week one... 
You don't need to hit the panic button yet. But it wasn't encouraging. It wasn't a feel-good game. You didn't walk away going, oh, yeah, we're awesome. You walked away going, oh, all right. What kind of year is this going to be? And I don't know yet. We'll find out. But uh, I, uh, I have concerns about the Patriots, and I think they're very valid concerns. Now, um, the New York Giants beat Tennessee week one. It's worth talking about. It was an awesome win. Great start to the Brian Dable era in New York. I'm so happy for him. It was an awesome ending. Uh, you know, they got the ball down seven, end of the fourth quarter. New York scored a touchdown with a minute and six seconds left. Made it 19-20. to 20, And then they went for two. They got a two-point conversion. It's a great decision in my opinion. I think in a game where you may or may not win and you're a little bit outmatched, you either get it or you don't. Yes, it's a risk to go for it on, uh, you know, on a two-point conversion. But isn't also overtime a risk? And I, I want to keep this energy as the year goes on. I really, I think it's important to, um, you know, if I'm going to say this now, like, let's keep this team going the rest of the year. I don't mind people taking a risk. I think it's a bigger risk to go to overtime and risk losing there than it is to go for a two-point conversion and control your own destiny. I like it. I think it's awesome. Go for the win now. They went for it. They got it. They won. Now, they got some help. Tennessee missed a 47-yard field goal at the end. But it was so fun to watch the Giants celebrating. Saquon Barkley, Brian Dable. Uh, shout out to Saquon Barkley, by the way, the Giants running back. He's missed 19 games in the last three years. He's the you know, former number two overall pick in 2018. Week one, it looked like Saquon Barkley's back. Like, wow, okay, he's healthy, he's making big plays. He had a huge run down the left sideline. Week one, Saquon Barkley had 18 carries for 164 yards and a touchdown. He also caught six passes for 30 yards. He had almost 200 yards. I believe that's 194 yards of total offense. That's unbelievable. Good for him. you love to see it. And, uh, hey, Saquon Barkley's back. He's dangerous, and I'm so excited to watch him continue to play for Brian Dable. Now, let's talk about the Giants quarterback, Daniel Jones. How did Daniel Jones look week one against Tennessee? I've talked a lot. Hey, I'm giving him six games. By week six, we'll know. I guess after week six, we'll know. How good is Daniel Jones, and is this going to work? Is he going to be able to become the franchise quarterback the Giants desperately need him to be? Thought week one was a decent start. He did some good stuff. He fumbled. I don't love that. But I liked him using his athletic ability. Uh, you know, Daniel Jones' strength is his ability to run around, in my opinion. And I'm really confident that Brian Dable, the new head coach, is going to be able to highlight that ability in a really good way. The Giants' offensive line is definitely a work in progress. DJ was sacked five times. Don't love that. They were struggling against the four-man rush. That's very concerning, in my opinion. Uh, but he hit a deep ball for an awesome touchdown, 65 yards to Sterling Shepard. Love that throw. There were flashes week one where I'm like, hey, there's potential here. Daniel Jones is certainly a talented quarterback. He can run. He's got a decent arm. He's accurate. I, I really think that if you can get him to operate at full capacity, he's going to be a really good quarterback. He was 17 for 21 passing, 188 yards, two touchdowns, one interception in the end zone. You don't love that. He was trying to... I think kind of force it to Saquon Barkley. And two turnovers is not good. A pick and a fumble. 
I don't like that. Daniel Jones has to play with fewer turnovers, but week one was a a solid start. It really helps them that they won. If you got two turnovers week one and you lose the game, I would feel a lot worse about that. But hey, you got away with it. Fine. There were some flashes of really good stuff. I thought that throw to Sterling Shepard was awesome. So I walked away feeling hopeful and optimistic about Daniel Jones, and we'll see how the next five games will go. By the way, write in, let me know. How do you feel about Daniel Jones week one? Do you feel good about him? I'm excited. I'm, I'm hopeful. I don't know if I'm alone there. I am hopeful he can show what he can become this year. And I, I, I think it's, I don't know. I'm not overly optimistic, but I'm, I am hopeful. And I, and I want to see Daniel Jones turn into the franchise quarterback that I, I hope he can be. By the way, I also want to give a shout out to the Tennessee Titans quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. I've talked a lot about Ryan Tannehill potentially being replaced by their third round pick in Tennessee, Malik Willis. How, you know, probably not this year, Malik Willis isn't ready, but maybe next year, or if Tannehill plays bad this year, he might lose his job to Malik Willis and they'll go, hey, it's week 14, we're out of the playoffs, he might as well just put the young guy in. All that being said, I, I have said some stuff about Ryan Tannehill that it's not exactly uh, ringing endorsements. That being said, Ryan Tannehill did pretty well week one. 20 for 33 passing, 266 yards, two touchdowns, zero turnovers. I thought he did more than enough to win this football game. He put his team in a position to kick the game-winning field goal. The kick was missed, but still credit to the drive for Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I try to give credit where credit is due, and uh, Ryan Tannehill did very well week one. Now, um, (laughs) this this is important here. Arizona Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray drove me nuts week one. I did not like what I saw. I just, I think the guy's massively overpaid. He missed way too many key plays. And, you know, for a guy who was given a massive $230 million after begging for one and making kind of a stink in the offseason, for him to play... Not great week one against Kansas City. That's discouraging and frustrating for me. In my opinion, Kyler Murray just does not play in a way that justifies this massive contract he was given this offseason. He he was badly outshined by Patrick Mahomes. And watching one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes, head-to-head against Kyler Murray. You really see, like, man, Kyler's fine. He's not bad. He had a decent game. He's nowhere near the same league as Patrick Mahomes. I guess they technically play in the same league, the NFL. But, like, man, Patrick Mahomes is so much better than Kyler Murray. It's not even funny. And there were a couple of really frustrating plays that Kyler Murray missed week one that I got to talk about. Play number one was a third down on their very first drive. It was third and one. A blitzer came free off the right side. Kyler Murray was completely unaware. He didn't see the blitzer coming, didn't anticipate it at all. Got sacked, was dead to rights. You got to see that. You got to be aware. You got to slide the protection. You got to make the man miss. You got to do something. You can't just not see a guy coming free off the right side. That's a key detail you you can't miss. I mean, when you're paid $230 million and can't recognize a blitz, that's a problem. Guys in college can do that. Go watch Pittsburgh this weekend. Keaton Slovis, if he plays, I don't know if he's healthy. 
He he can recognize a blitz and get the ball out of his hands quickly. Kyler Murray, NFL quarterback. Not his first time, by the way, being an NFL quarterback. How do you not see that? Frustrating as all get out. Play number two right before halftime. Fourth and two. Ball on Kansas City's 34-yard line, and Arizona had a great play call. It was a chef's kiss. I love it. What a great play design. They got number 83, Greg Dortch, open in the flat, and Kyler doesn't hit him. Yes, he stumbles a little bit, but he's open. It's a great play call. The play is designed to go to Greg Dortch in the flat. And Kyler doesn't get him the ball. I don't know what's going on. Does he not know that's the intention of the play design? Does he not understand it? Maybe he can't see him very well. I Fair enough, but you got to get depth. Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm sorry. Look, at $230 million, I'm not going to let him make the excuse, I'm too short, I can't see. Like, sorry. No, you got to make that throw. You got to hit, you got to hit Greg Dortch in the flat. It is baffling Kyler Murray didn't get him the ball. I will not understand. That's the whole objective of that play call is to get him the football. He's open. It's fourth and two. Make the play. What are you doing? Kills me. Again, you're paid $230 million. I'm going to keep beating that drum. The excuses are wearing thin. Play number three. It's third and 10 in the third quarter. He's got a man wide open in the flat again. Does he hate the flat? Does he hate throwing to open people? Simply doesn't get his receiver the ball. It's unacceptable. You can't do that. To miss that in a key moment on third down in a really big game to start your year against a really good offense and a great quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, it's so awful. There's another one. Play number four. Notice all these are on fourth down or third down. These are key moments that cost Arizona a drive. These are drive-killing plays that Kyler Murray made. Third and five, again in the third quarter. Kyler Murray has A.J. Green down the right sideline in man-to-man coverage and throws a really, really poor ball. It's one-on-one coverage. If you throw a good ball there, that's a completion. At least give A.J. Green a chance. Maybe throw it more on the back shoulder, away from the defender. Instead, it's thrown way too far inside. It allows the defender to make a play on it. You can't have that, man. Kyler Murray made way too many mistakes week one. He missed reads. He didn't recognize blitzes. He missed throws. I got it. Look, (laughs) I've said the number 230 million a lot in this this topic. But you got to hold his feet to the fire. You're going to get paid that much money. You got to deliver. You got to be better. It's unacceptable for a guy paid that much money to not make these plays. You begged for a contract. You made a big stink. Now, I've got a problem. You're massively overpaid. I'm I'm really sorry. I hope that by the end of your contract, you've justified it. I'd love to see Kyler Murray become a top five quarterback in the NFL and dominate. Week one was bad. Too many key misses. And I, I just don't understand. How does this happen? It's infuriating. These plays do not make Kyler Murray look like a detail oriented player. There was that weird clause in the offseason. Is he watching enough film? I I watched week one. I'm like, dude, I don't believe so. He looked like a guy who's relied for a long time on natural talent rather than preparation. You're not recognizing blitzes. You're not understanding the play design goes to the flat. You're missing open receivers. You're making bad throws. Details matter. And he's got to clean stuff up. Kyler Murray has to be better. 
in these important moments on third and fourth down. And it is just, in my opinion, completely unacceptable for Kyler Murray to not make these plays in big moments uh, in a huge game against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. One more time, 230 million big ones. You, you got to be better. It's unacceptable completely. And, and infuriating for me watching at home going, Kyler Murray, what are you doing? I feel like I need to raise awareness of this. It's worth noting. <laughs> uh, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals offense was atrocious week one. By the way, it's a game where they almost won. <laughs> I don't know how this happened, but they had five turnovers from Joe Burrow, their starting quarterback, and still barely lost in overtime. And I, I can't tell yet if it's something to deeply worry about or not. Was it a bad game? Is it a sign of something much worse? I, should I be more worried about the offensive line? I, I don't know. Joe Burrow had five turnovers. What in the world? Four interceptions, a fumble, got sacked seven times. It's very alarming. I don't want to freak out yet. We'll see how week two goes. I, I believe they're going to crush Dallas, who's got no starting quarterback. They're out Dak Prescott. I would imagine Cincinnati wins by a lot week two, especially after whatever that was last week in week one. But I want to raise the red flag a little bit and go, hey, uh, should we be worried? I don't know yet. Time will tell. But what I saw week one from Joe Burrow, I'm not going to break it down and analyze it too much, but I, I just, not good. <laughs> oh my gosh. What was that? What was the offensive line looked bad? Joe Burrow was making throws. I'm like, ah, I don't know what's happening there. It's a pick six. It's not good. Like I said, I just want to ask the question: Should I be more worried? I'm not that worried about Joe Burrow, to be totally honest. Went to the Super Bowl last year. He's a great quarterback. He's been on an incredible run. I've even said, you know, Joe Burrow could basically take the year off and still not have a problem going into next year because he went to a Super Bowl. He exceeded expectations so hard. I'm not worried about Joe Burrow, but maybe, should I be? Do I need him? I mean, week one was bad. And, and I, it's just worth pointing out, like, hey, uh, in case you missed it, sacked seven times. Had Their quarterback, Joe Burrow, had five turnovers. What? Where, where did this come from? I, and and I guess shout out to Pittsburgh. Shout out the Pittsburgh Steelers defense was incredible. They're awesome, and I I'm not trying to talk about Joe Burrow struggling and not give them credit for playing great defense. But my point is, I just don't know if how indicative of this is, is this of a big problem. Is this indicative of a big problem in Cincinnati that I need to be worried about? I don't know yet. We'll see how week two goes. We'll see how the year goes early on, but. Um, in case somehow you didn't know or you missed it, week one was a really, really bad day for the Cincinnati Bengals offense and their quarterback, Joe Burrow. All right. Uh, I haven't talked about this yet. I kind of want to, obviously. Uh, it's it's important. Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson was not able to get a new contract done before the start of the regular season. He is scheduled to be a free agent after this year. The report is that Baltimore offered Lamar Jackson a really big contract and it wasn't enough for him. He wasn't happy with the amount of guaranteed money. So he's going into the year without a new contract for next year. In my opinion, that's a big risk. I, it's very weird to me. I think it's a huge storyline for this year. How does Lamar Jackson do? How, how does the contract situation impact? Let me back up. How does his year, how does the way things go this fall 
impact contract negotiations this upcoming offseason. Who's going to win? Who's going to come out better at the end of the year? Lamar Jackson or the Ravens? It's a big risk. Lamar's trying to prove himself. I like that. But they don't have a great receiving core. They got rid of their number one receiver, Marquise Hollywood Brown. I'm like, ah, we'll see. I, I wouldn't put that risk. And I, I just don't really understand a guy. Look, I'm not Lamar Jackson, right? He's got leverage. He's an incredible talent. He's a former NFL MVP. I'm a guy recording a pickup at a podcast in a pickup truck, right? So, uh, but I'll tell you this, man. If I was offered generational wealth and a massive contract, I'm not going to get caught up in the little details here and there. I'm going to say, I'll take the money. Absolutely, let's do it. Life-changing money, generational wealth. I'm not going to get caught up worried about how much there is here and there. Like, I I just don't understand why Lamar Jackson didn't take the money. I think he's taking a massive risk that the year goes badly and his value goes down. Or what if he gets hurt? What if Lamar Jackson gets hurt? He's a quarterback who runs around a lot. Who is, a lot of people still are questioning how good he is at throwing the football. I find it baffling. uh, And and I, I frankly think it's kind of poor judgment to not take a big contract when you're offered one if you're Lamar Jackson. And, and what it, you need to be the highest paid. I, I just do not relate to the mindset of, I want to be the highest paid in the league. I want to one-up the other guy. And, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people are, especially this situation is getting thrown off by the Deshaun Watson contract, a massive contract with a ton of guaranteed money. It's just not the norm. And I, the Cleveland Browns are are the organization that gave Deshaun Watson that contract. Do you think the Browns are good decision makers? Like, I I think there's a reason why Kyler Murray's contract wasn't fully guaranteed. Russell Wilson's contract wasn't fully guaranteed. Deshaun Watson is a guy with a lot of off-field problems who got a massive contract from an organization who in my lifetime has been a disaster. You're, Lamar Jackson is not going to get a contract on the same level as Deshaun Watson because that would be stupid because no one should. I don't think Deshaun Watson should have. So, I, I man, I, I, to be honest, I, I am shocked. I'm not shocked because his mom is his agent. You know, Lamar Jackson has been weird in the past about contracts and stuff like that. And I don't know why he represents himself and his his mom is his agent. That seems dumb. You know, let your mom be your mom. Hire an agent who can do this for you and give you better advice, in my opinion. Um, I'm coming from a place of fear. I absolutely love Lamar Jackson. I would be so heartbroken if he tore his ACL this year or blew out his knee had some horrific injury and then never got the big contract. I think he's owed. He's taking a risk by playing without that big contract. He wants $230 million, maybe fully guaranteed. You're not going to get that, but you could get a $230 million contract with $160 million guaranteed. I don't know why you couldn't get that. You know what I mean? Like I just 160 or some, whenever you're throwing around a hundred million dollars guaranteed or some, a massive amount of money, I can't believe people turn that stuff down. Do you forget where you came from? You know? I just, I don't know, man. It's weird to me. And and also, as a quarterback in the NFL, 
I would not. I would never want to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. A, the pressure and scrutiny that comes with that is insane. Kyler Murray getting paid two hundred thirty million dollars is ridiculous. But part of the problem there is the optics are bad. You better deliver. You better be incredible. There's no margin for error there. Pressure's up, and some people like that. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to be have everything I do scrutinized to an insane level. On top of that. The more money your quarterback is paid, the less you can pay your teammates. And I want to win, dude. $100 million is enough. (laughs) Okay, pay me five years, $100 million fully guaranteed, $20 million a year. And guess what? Then I can get a great receiver or two. I can pay teammates and win more games. And the more you win, the better you do off the field, the sponsorships, the longer your career is going to last, the better your legacy is going to be. When is enough money enough money? I just will never understand the what, in my opinion, feels like a short-sighted approach to NFL contracts. People are like, well, you got to worry about the market value. The NFLPA encourages you to worry about, you know, you don't want to hurt the value of other quarterbacks. I don't give a damn about other quarterbacks. I care about me. I'll take a massive paycheck. That's awesome. Enough is enough. And pay my teammates so we can win. Great. I just, I, I like I said, I'm coming from a place of fear. I really do not want to see Lamar Jackson get hurt and miss out on him. I think he's making $23 million this year. That's a lot. You're set for life, to be honest, with $23 million. But what what if something happened and he doesn't make more? I would be heartbroken for Lamar. And uh, I, I think it's just ill-advised and, and a little bit baffling to turn down the really big contract that was reported he was offered by Baltimore. And I, I wish him the best. I hope it goes well. But we'll find out at the end of the year, this offseason, we're going to find out who won the negotiation, who found, who ended up in a better place by the end of this year, Lamar or the Ravens. And uh, I just would hate to see Lamar not get what I think he's owed by the Ravens. Last topic today. I read an article on ESPN written by Stephen Holder. It was titled, Why Matt Ryan's Singular Focus Led Him to Be the Indianapolis Colts starting quarterback. It's actually, it's why Matt Ryan's singular focus led him to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Matt Ryan wants to win a Super Bowl. Losing to the Patriots a couple years ago was really painful. That 28-3 loss to Tom Brady stung a lot. He wants to win one. He, he wants to win a Super Bowl before his career is over. I admire that. I respect that. I love that pursuit. That's awesome. I'm rooting for Matt Ryan, to be totally honest. I, I'd love to see Matt Ryan win a Super Bowl. That'd be great. be a cool story. But uh, probably not this year in Indianapolis. I, you know, I, I watched them tie Houston week one. By the way, Davis Mills pretty good quarterback in Houston. Davis Mills is not thought highly of because he was a third-round pick, but he's, he's better than people realize. Um, and Matt Ryan, you know, tying Houston week one is not a great start. And, and I, I just hope... People are aware, and I hope Matt Ryan realizes that this pursuit of winning a Super Bowl with Indy is going to take a couple of years. It's probably a two, three, four-year pursuit. You're going to have to keep building and get a better receiving core, and I'm here for it. And I think Matt Ryan looks around the league and has seen how long Tom Brady's playing and see how seeing how long Aaron Rodgers is playing and saying, look, like quarterbacks are playing longer than ever. I'm going to be in Indy. I'm going to have a great running game and a good offensive line and good defense and we're going to we're going to keep building but I don't know that this year is the year that Matt Ryan's going to win a Super Bowl in Indy. I don't even know what next year is, but I am rooting for the guy. I want to see him do that. 
And I just want to see, you know, Indy, I think, found their starting quarterback. I hope he's awesome. I just hope that his body doesn't fail him before they're able to build a juggernaut of a football team that can win a Super Bowl. He needs a lot of help. Every quarterback needs help. If you want to win a Super Bowl, you got to be one of the three, four best teams in football. Indy's not there yet, talent-wise. They're pretty good. They're formidable, for sure. They're not an easy victory. But Indy needs some more players if they're going to win a Super Bowl. And uh, I don't know. I just, time will tell. I'm rooting, I'm rooting for Matt Ryan really hard. But, you know, this is not a, this is not Tom Brady going to the Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were loaded. So much talent everywhere. They just needed a quarterback. That's not the Colts. The Colts were not a quarterback away from a Super Bowl. They got Matt Ryan. They still got some gaps to fill. So some problems they got to solve on their roster. So, I don't know. I don't have much more to say than that. I just, I'm rooting for Matt Ryan, but I think it's a, a project that's going to take a couple years if Matt Ryan wants to win a Super Bowl in Indy. All right, guys. My name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Uh, NFL Week 1, the bonus episode. Done five episodes in six days. I love it, man. I'm having fun. I really, uh, dude, I love the truck. It's my favorite studio I've ever had. I really enjoy this, man. I'm doing very well. Hope you're doing well. Hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy the football. I'll see you on the other side. Have a great day. And uh, bum bum bam, we are done.